that's a pretty solid. Yeah. If we could ever as Christians really understand it from the shepherd's point of view, I don't think there would be any doubt that we really have in our life. Because see, something about the shepherd's point of view, it sees everything. Yeah. See, the shepherd saw when I went astray. And he saw that the 99 was better off for that for leaving them. But he saw that one needed to be saved. And I'm thankful that that shepherd had that point of view. And uh, I'm not going to be very long. Just the Lord just simply gave me this thought of when God uses the unordinary. And as I began to think about that, brother, I began to reflect on the things in my life and how many times in my Christian walk God used something I never saw coming to direct me on the path I need to be. I never saw my first back surgery coming. It hit me out of the clear blue. It's some harsh words when you're 14 you say, the doctors hear you say, if we do not correct this, this will eventually kill you. If you hit a certain time, time has passed, we cannot fix you. That's harsh words to hear. And it was even harder when I heard the second back surgery of, I made a mistake. I should have gone, made the rod go lower. And I want to fix it. See, that was something unordinary. Because see, only 10% had to have the second surgery done. Or the surgery done twice. Come on. Leave it to me to be part of that 10%. <laughs> we laugh about that. But God used something unordinary to perform the extraordinary. See, if God never had done that, Brother Al, I would not be here. And that, I have no doubt. Because if it was my way, I would have been out in the world. That's our human nature. If we can't live with our human nature, we might as well. If we can't admit we have a human nature... And if it was left up to me, I probably wouldn't be here preaching behind a pulpit. But God used two things out of the ordinary to perform something extraordinary. And in 1 Kings, the 17th chapter, starting with the first verse, says, In Elisha to Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, sent unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years. But according to my word, you may be seated. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Go thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook of Cherith, that is before Jordan. Now all of a sudden, brother, I didn't realize until I, the Lord dealt with me on this. God had to lead some Elijah somewhere he'd never been before. God had to lead him to a test or trial where only God was going to be able to provide for him. And as I began to read, there are some times in our life where God leads us through trials and tests. Mm -hmm. Just to show that He's still God. Right. And just to perform the extraordinary in something that you don't see. Amen. And it says in the fourth verse, And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And as I stopped there, all of a sudden I thought, well, Lord, you know, what's so extraordinary about this? You know? You're, you created everything. You can tell anything what to do. And it has to listen because you're God. Yeah. Yeah. As I began to read something, Brother Al, I didn't realize it about ravens. Man, you know, in the human nature, ravens are an omen of death. They're an omen of destruction. Witchcraft uses them because they're that ominous. Out of all the birds, you can hear a raven and you know the sound out of a raven of any birds. But God said, I want to use something out of the ordinary to perform something of the extraordinary. See, ravens by nature are selfish. Yeah, are. A.K.A. humans. Mm -hmm. 
By nature, we are selfish, and the world, wherever we go, there's death. Right? We, we kill people with our words. Sometimes people physically kill people with their own hands. But yet, by human nature, we are selfish just like the ravens. See, Noah sent out a raven at first. And the raven never came back. Because it found something that it saw that it needed more than the ark. So it never returned back to the ark. See, ravens are scavengers by nature. They literally will eat anything and everything. They'll even eat each other. Ravens, when they get hungry enough and desperate enough, they'll attack each other. They will destroy each other. They will destroy like birds. They have even been known in some countries to attack live humans when they get hungry enough. And I thought, Brother Al, well, why would the Lord want to use that? And as I began to study where God sent Elijah, ravens make up about 90% of the birds. The majority of the birds, there's over 60 different types of birds in this area of just ravens alone. So God took Elijah somewhere unordinary, and he was going to perform something extraordinary for him. Amen. Amen. And it says, so he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelled by the brook of Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, yeah. and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Now see, all of a sudden God took something extraordinary and said, I'm going to move you to a place where you cannot find anything. You're just going to do simply one thing. You're going to drink water from the brook and I'll do the rest. Sometimes God has to take us to a place where the enemy says there is no way God's going to do nothing. See, when Elijah went, there were just ravens everywhere. And if you've ever heard a raven, they're annoying. You hear them and you can't get that sound out of your head. It's the most annoying Ominous sound you'll hear because where there's one, there's thousands. They're like flies. There's never just one fly. There's never just one mosquito. They're everywhere. And God said, you know what? I want to send you to a place where the world says there's death. I want to send you to a place where the world says, you know what? You should die there. You should be miserable there. You should not come out of there. But I want to do something instead. He said, I want to perform the extraordinary. I want to perform the extraordinary with something you never saw coming. See, nothing, up until this point, the ravens have never provided anybody with, birth, with food. Up until this point in the scripture, this is the first time where ravens went out of the ordinary to do something against their human, to, against their natural nature, and provide something for somebody else. Ravens always think about I, 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 me, me, me. Well, Brother Al, I started to think, what are we facing now in this world? I, I, what's in it for me? What's in it for I? Well, guess what? Sometimes God wants to send us where we, as Christians, get to a place where all we hear is, what are you going to do for me, Pastor? What are you going to See, as ministers, we don't... How much do I want to say? As ministers, the world wants us to tickle you that you're theirs. That's right. They want us to please them. It is not us as ministers' job is to please the world. Right. It's to please God. Amen. And see, sometimes you say, oh, well, Brother Jacob's a minister. You know, there's not a whole lot of people here saying I'm a Christian. You know, all I hear is ravens. Well, guess what? God sent you there so he can perform the extraordinary. See, sometimes God says, you know what? I want to send you to death. I want to send you to somebody who's in destruction. I want to send you to somebody who is just gone. And I want to use them to strengthen your faith. I want to use them to show you that I am still God and I can perform miracles. So church, if I can tell you and encourage you in anything today, just because you think you're in a situation in life where you hear the ravens, and say, you know what? All I hear is death. All I if you turn on the news, that's all you hear. Amen. COVID nineteen death totals. I mean, 
I've heard more death totals in the news in the last year and a half than I have in my entire life. Brother Steve has been in the funeral business my entire life. <laughs> I mean, we, we laugh at that, but the world has said there's death here, there's destruction here. But God's saying, I put you here for a purpose. See, Esther was brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. She didn't know why she was the only one not facing death. She didn't know why she was the only Jew in Babylon not, not going to be killed by uh, Haman. But God said, I brought you to the kingdom for such time as this. Yeah. See, God has us in this world and in this place, in this time, for such a time as this. Because somewhere along the way, God's going to say, you know what? I'm going to use death, and I'm going to use what the world says is destruction, and I'm going to show you that I'm still God. That I'm still going to perform miracles. We hear the word, I don't know, I've never seen a miracle before. Brother Adam, one of the first miracles... I saw. There, there have been many miracles before that I never saw. Right? God still performs miracles every day that we just don't pay attention to. That's right. I woke up. That's a miracle. I'm walking. That's a miracle. I'm breathing. That's a miracle. But he took me to a place in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And Brother Al knows what I'm talking about. And so does Brother Bill because they were there. Where a blind man who was blind and crippled since birth was carried in on a chair. And one of the ministers said, you know what? We're just going to pray with him. His sisters were in witchcraft. His mother was in witchcraft. His father was in rich, witchcraft. There were ravens all around him. But he just said, you know what? I, I don't know what I want to do. See, the church was the only one that would feed him. Christians were the only one that would minister to him. His own family wouldn't because he was blind. They viewed that as a curse. They viewed that as something was wrong with him if you look at it. And all of a sudden we began to pray. And God began to move. And all of a sudden he said, I can see. I can see. All of a sudden, God found that chair and started walking around, which I hadn't done before. Because if you can't, you can't walk if you can't see. I mean, it's hard to walk if you don't know where you're walking and where you see. But see, God had to take me to a place where there was death and destruction all around. There were ravens all around. And guess what, Brother Al? God's performed a miracle to show me that, you know what? There is still a God. No matter what country I am in, God can still perform miracles. The church, no matter where your loved one's at, you may think they're surrounded by ravens, but guess what? God's saying, I got them where I want them, and now I'm going to perform a miracle. You might not like the circumstances you're in, because let's be honest, we don't like the circumstances we're in half the time. I don't. I don't like the circumstances of $3 a gasoline. I don't like everything being so expensive, but God says, I brought you for a reason. I have you here for a reason. So guess what, church? If you are in a spot where you say, I don't know what's going on, or I don't see my way out, because we all will be there at some point in our life. Yeah. God's saying, okay, get a, get a hold of me, because I'm about to perform something extraordinary out of the ordinary. What the world says may be death and ruin, God says there's life, and I'll provide you bread and living water. Amen? Amen. And we know that uh, he was highly favored. Uh, and uh, uh, and uh, 
we know that he was a, his daddy gave him a, a coat of many colors, and he was he, and he, you might want to say that he might have been a little. I when I read the scripture, I kind of almost think that he was a little spoiled. You know, he's, he was uh, he came to the uh, he came he was born when uh, Jacob was in late age, and so uh, um, it's kind of like other other brothers though. He he kind of you know have you ever had a younger brother, brother Matt? Tell on you, brother. So, so in Joseph's life, uh, uh, my, the title of my message is. Uh, sorry, I, I lost my other glasses, so you'll see me doing this a lot. So, um, God has set it in motion. Is, is the title of my message, and so here you have the the life of Joseph, and and as he, as he's uh, being raised, he's found favor. By, by, by Jacob, and uh, and and the, the Bible kind of indicates that he tells on his brothers, and uh, um, it, the, the Bible is kind of harsh because it says his brothers hated him. Yeah, amen. I mean, hates a hates a pretty strong word, but it, but yeah, and also in, in in the word it talks about uh, um, Joseph uh, 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 was a dreamer. Have you ever been mocked? Yes. Yes. Sister Paul, when you when you were young and you were seven, you were seven years old and you were starting to draw to the Lord and he was speaking to your heart, were you ever made fun of? Yes. That's, I think that's the way Joseph yes. kind of felt. You know, he, he's coming along and he's doing he's 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 uh, dreaming these dreams and and uh, uh, and he's uh, He's, he's telling his brothers, look, I, I have had this dream, and the, and the brothers are, the Bible says that he was hated yeah. by his brothers. And he, so he went to his dad, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting somewhere, but he went to his dad, and, and he said, he gave, gave him another dream, and, it, and his, his dad rebuked him. That's what the Bible says, he rebuked him. What is your, your mother, and I going to uh, serve you, is what the Bible says. But you know, uh, as as uh, as his life went along, his his dad sent him out to check his brother, check on his brothers, and, and during that time, it, it, it started a chain of events. And, uh, and there's a chain of events in your life. Yes, and so, what I'd like for you to do is, I'd like for you to reflect your own life. This will probably apply more well with uh, Sister Paul and Brother Al because what God sets in motion. You can, when, you're, when you're later in, in the years, you can see how God has moved you in different directions. Amen. But in, uh, in, uh, in Genesis, the 39th chapter, in the second verse, it says this. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was with the house, uh, in the house of his, uh, the master uh, of, of Egypt. Your Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you and we praise you, Lord. Yes. We ask that your hands be upon this message, Lord. Lord, that you could just move and let me get out of the way, Lord Jesus, and you just, uh, Lord, you would speak through me, Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. So we have the life of Joseph, and he's thrown into this pit, uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and Ishmaelites come along, and, uh, and they sell him to the Ishmaelites, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, one of the saving graces, I'm jumping around my nose here in my head. Uh, one of the saving graces that, that, that happened during this time was that Reuben stepped in. And Reuben said, now hang on, let's go take his life. Because his other brothers wanted to kill him. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been so angry with one of your brothers that you wanted to kill him? 
I've been angry at my brothers. I don't think I've ever been to where I wanted to actually kill them. But, uh, but, uh, but you know, that, that's pretty, I mean, they actually wanted to, to kill him. But, the, you know, the story goes on to where, they, you know, they, they, kill, they, they, they kill the animal, they bloody it up, they send the coat of colors back, back to Jacob, and, uh, and, 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 and Jacob is just crying in his heart that he lost this precious son of his. And, you know, and, and all during that time he was mourning, and, and, the, and the brothers and the sisters, they, they, came, they came and tried to, to comfort uh, uh, their dad, and he didn't have nothing to do with it. He was just distraught. You know, and, and we go through things in life like that where, where uh, people try to comfort us. Yes. You know, we go through things in life, and things are in motion. If you could imagine, imagine, I, I watched this uh, psychiatrist movie one time, and I remember the name of it, but you ever see them balls where they, they take it, and they hit it, and, go, and it hits each one, they, yes. and, and it sets in yes. motion, they just keep going over and over and over. That's what I think about it, when you set something in motion, unless you stop it, it just kept going back and forth. Right. And that's what happened with the life of Joseph. Uh, he was sold in, uh, he was sold to uh, Potiphar and uh, and uh, and was found favor. He was successful because God was with him. The Lord had had uh, favored him, and so everything is everything it seemed it seemed to happen with Joseph. He touched it was a blessing. So Potiphar he he pretty wise. He said he jumped right on the bandwagon, you know, and. and uh, and, uh, you know, he put him in charge of his household and all that. And, you know, and, uh, and then, then the, the devil rears its head up. Mm -hmm. You know, God's people are, are walking through life and, and the devil rears his head up and try to disrupt your life. Sure. You know, all the time that, that Joseph was thrown in the pit, sold into slavery, and now is working for someone, uh, uh, God was in control. And so... Um, Potiphar's wife she accused him, and, uh, and and when he was accused, uh, he was thrown into prison. And I would like to go to another scripture that talks about that. In um, so, in, in Genesis 30, thirty-nine and seven through nineteen, it talks about Joseph being tempted, and he resisted that. Did you know that he did not fail? Can you imagine you being sold into slavery? You're all by yourself. I kind of, when I came, not that I was sold into slavery, but when I came down to Arkansas uh, from Oregon, I was all by myself. I was making seven dollars an hour, and I, I absolutely knew nobody. I mean, I, I, I know what alone feels like. I know what, and you can imagine what Joseph was feeling that way. And but you know, uh, but uh, his wife come and reared her, uh, reared her head up and tried to accuse him of, of wrongdoing, and so I throw him, threw him in prison. And so, uh, when they threw him in prison, he had some more dreams. And I, I know I'm recapping, I'm, I'm, I'm flying across about, I don't know, five or six chapters here. So, I, I apologize for that. There's just not enough time to read all that. But, uh, but uh, when he was thrown into prison, uh, he had a dream with the baker. And, uh, and, and he interpreted those two dreams. And uh, when, uh, the butler and the, and the baker. Amen. And... and uh, and so, um, so when, when they got out of prison, they had promised that they were going to um, tell, the, tell the keeper or tell the, the pharaoh about getting out. Mm -hmm. It was months later. Have you ever waited on somebody to do something for you and it was months later? I have been guilty of promising to do something for somebody and I forgot. <laughs> I have forgot that. 
And, uh, but I have waited on some, you know, I've asked somebody to do something for me and waited a long time. You kind of mentioned it, you know, waited a long time. But in Joseph's case, he was in prison. He couldn't just say, hey, Butler, hey, hey, Baker, could you uh, remind them that uh, I'm That's a right. good person yeah. here? Come on. And so, but when they did, Pharaoh came along and he had some dreams. Amen. And uh, when, uh, when, uh, uh, when he was reminded of, of Baker and the, and the uh, butler that their dreams were interpreted, um, the Pharaoh allowed him to get out. That's right. And, and so, uh, um, so he interpreted those dreams and he stored, he stored away for the Pharaoh and he found favor in, in, in the Pharaoh's eyes. And so, um, Praise the Lord. Uh, and so, I lost my place. Sorry. And so, uh, when he found favor in the Pharaoh's eyes, um, there was an opportunity for him to make a difference in his, in his uh, family's life. Amen. And so, what happened was there was a famine in Canaan, and uh, and in, in that famine, uh, 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 Joseph's brothers came and visited, and and eventually uh, Israel came and visited, and so. <laughs> I don't know why I'm having such a difficult time here. No, Praise the Lord. Uh, uh, so what set in motion was is that from the time that he was put into slavery, from the time he was he found uh, favor in, in, the, in the prison with the keeper, and when he found favor in, in the time of the Pharaoh, uh, he was able to make a difference in his family's life. Yes. Yes. And yes. so uh, why is that significant? Why, why, how does it, I ask you uh, to think of your own life, and why is that significant? And I was listening to Sister Paula earlier, uh, and I was thinking about how Brother Allen had came from, uh, from Massachusetts, and I was thinking about how I came from Oregon, and I was thinking about how God had put things in, in motion. And yes, those are geographical areas. But like, like Joseph had been doing, he had been hearing, hearing from God from an early age. Right. And all the way through, he was interpreting dreams, and he was hearing from God. And he, all the way through from the very beginning, at seven years old, you were hearing from the Lord. And so something was put in motion. And so, uh, and, and, and so what happens is, is that what was so significant is, is that not only did uh, he, he talk to you, but he, he had placed Sister Jeunesse, right. dad, in your right. family. And so something came into motion. And, and so what, what happened is, is when, when, uh, when I was having a hard time, you and Sister, uh, Brother Al uh, had made a difference in my life. But not only that, can you imagine, can you imagine this? So if, if Joseph's life has been put into motion, and he had, and all those things in Israel had been saved through his slavery, through his uh, uh, mistreatment of him, God had put him into motion. The one that was favored so much by Jacob, Jacob was put, put into a position to where he can make a difference in, in, in Israel's life. Amen. Israel, the 12 tribes, the Come ones on. that had, had came out of Egypt, it was all from the beginning of, of the motion. And so uh, I was thinking about what does it look like four generations from now? When you put it into motion, when he spoke to you at seven years old, when he spoke to you to go to Texas, when he spoke to me to change my life, 
when he spoke to each one of us and it, it became in motion. What, what is it that, what is it that it looks like four generations from now? The reason why I used the, the number four is because uh, I have my dad, I have myself, I have my son, and I have my grandson, and I can already see a difference in my grandson's life. I can see a difference in their teaching. I can see a difference in what's happening. So could you imagine the emotion that began at age seven years old and in this church and is now, uh, what is my grandson doing when it's four generations after him? What does it look like for Joseph when he got thrown in the pit from the very time that Israel was delivered out of Egypt? Amen? Amen. And so I would challenge you this. When you look at your life and you wonder if God's working in your life, you can know that he has put your life in motion. Amen. There's no accident, Brother Cody, that you're sitting here. That's right. That's right. I remember when Sister Jeanette came through these doors crying out for her children and grandchildren. Amen. What has been put in motion, God is in control. Amen. Amen. thinking about uh, the birth of Christ. And, uh, and uh, I, I know that we, we really do set, uh, set aside a time of the year to reflect on it, but uh, really we should reflect on it all year round. Right. But if you got your Bibles, you don't have to stand, but in Luke, the second chapter, the 25th verse, it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simon. The same man was a just and devout waiting for the constellation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. You may be seated. And uh, the title that I'd like to just leave here is that there is a hope and a comfort. There is a hope and there is a comfort. And uh, uh, many of us know this story. We, we know it as, uh, as Jesus was uh, going through the custom of the Jews. He was eight days years years old, it was time for his uh, mother and father to give a sacrifice and for him to go through the procedure of being a, uh, a Jewish boy. Uh, but they, it said that they were in the temple and that here it says that there was a man who was a devout, who was a judge, who was a righteous man and that it was told unto him through the Holy Ghost that he would not see death until he got to see the constellation of Israel. Now, uh, I didn't know what a constellation was, so I began to look up the meaning, and, and the meaning simply means the comforter or the comfort of Israel. And he said, I'm waiting for something. And so I don't know what led him there. I don't know if he went daily. But somewhere along the lines, Simeon got the idea of, I'm going to go to the temple. And, uh, and it just so happened that, that on this certain day that there was a little baby boy by the name of Jesus. And he comes walking in and all of a sudden something hits him like he'd never been hit before. And he gets to looking at this little baby Jesus and he says, this is the constellation. This is the comfort. And if this is the one that has come to deliver, that has come to save, that has come to make a way where there seems to be no 
When, when, when is the answer coming, Brother Ethan? Surely there has to be a deliverer to deliver us yeah. from Adam's mistake. Mm. Oh, honestly, when I, when I was younger, I used to say, my mom won't be about it when I get to heaven. It's all his fault. <laughs> it's because the first Adam fell. But then there was a second Adam that came. Come on. There was a comforter that came for his people. Now at that time it was the Jews. But then later they, he came for the Gentiles. And so here he is. He's about 33. Maybe 33 and a half. He's Walking and talking, doing his ministry, and he tells the disciples, What you see will one day go. Come on. Yes. Come on. I won't be here in the flesh no more. Come on. I must go and prepare a place for you. Hallelujah. Where I am, that you may be also. Amen. And he said, But I won't leave you. Comfortless yeah. no more. Because I'm going to send another comforter to you. A comforter has come in the flesh, but this comforter is going to have to die and it's going to have to take on the resurrected body. But I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm not going to leave you in a way of escape, in a way of salvation, but I'm going to send the comforter, which is my spirit. And it shall lead you and guide you into all truth. So when people say it's hopeless, come on. What they're really saying is I can't find no comfort. That's When you get into your bed, I don't know about you, but every time I get in, I got the hopes of sleeping really good. Do <laughs> you know why? I got comfortable sheets. Do <laughs> you know why I can make it through this world? It's because I got a comfortable spirit. Come on, Mr. I got a hope for tomorrow. That's why Paul wrote later. I believe it's in uh, somewhere around the uh, first uh, first book of Corinthians. He said, he said, uh, in this life, if we only have uh, only have hope in Christ, we'd be men most miserable. But what he understood was that there was a Savior, Amen, that came and that He had brought us comfort through this world like no man had ever known. He had brought a comfort that said that there would be no more sin, no more sorrow. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you that there is a hope and that there is a comfort for your soul. All because there was an older gentleman. You read it. I don't know how old he was back for a while. Lord, please don't get I don't know anyone no more. My hair's all gone, my teeth's all gone, my hips gone, and, and my ears, I got I to put them in every day. After a while, I bet I'll send it to the Lord, please. Please just let me go. 
And God said, Nope, you're going to see the cup. You're going to see the cup. You're getting the flesh. But one day, you're going to be able to feel and, and other folks are going to be able to say, I, I've got the comforter living on the inside. And he's not just living on the outside, but he's working on the outside. And then I'm here to tell you that we can tell folks that we got the constellation that was spoken of in the Old Testament. We got the comforter. We got the exhortation of, of God himself living on the But old Samuel had himself a preaching session. Come on. And ain't it funny? And he didn't even know what the angel said. And he spoke almost the exact same words. The angel said, Behold, thy salvation. What's Jesus mean? God saved. Come on. Jesus. And on the day of Pentecost, you know what Jesus, uh, what Peter was saying? Jesus saves. Amen. And that's why they said, Men and brethren, what can we do to be saved? And Peter said, Well, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness, for the remission of sins. Oh, wait, you need, you need something to help you out. You, hey, I, I can do all the acts, but if I leave the third step out, he ain't with me. He ain't walking beside me. He ain't walking in front of me or behind me. That's right. It's just me. Come on. And he's oh, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise. Did you know that Jesus is a promise? Yes. Jesus is a promise to you yes. and to your children <laughs> and to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Yeah, that's where that energy call came in. And it's all because Simon stood up and said, Woo!
who is, you know, I think of somebody who's mild and meek and somebody who is lowly and meek or somebody who's about 16, 18, 19 years old. That's just, in, in our mind, that's what we think. So how can this little shepherd boy who has never been to medical school, who has never been to veterinary school, how can he protect the, the health of that sheep? Well, I'll tell you how he does it. He makes sure that they have no disease. He makes sure that they, they don't come into contact with any poisonous grasses. Right. Come on. Come on. That's watching out for their health. Don't go over there and eat of that because it's not very good for you. That might make you sick. That might make you not feel good. It might even go so far as to as to cause you to lose your life. So stay away from that. What's the second thing that he does to protect their health? He keeps them from insects. Anybody ever sit outside, Brother Blake, you were born in northeast Arkansas, you know what I'm talking about. You slap this here, you slap this here. They're cold mosquitoes. They're an insect. They're a pest. They bother you. They're no good. Why did the Lord create mosquitoes? I have no idea. But what I want you to understand that a shepherd's job is to make sure that there's no mites in the wool of the sheep. That there's no there's no insects that will bother them. That they don't come into contact with anything that may harm them. The third thing that he does, he protects them from predators. He takes care of their health. He helps them with the insects. But he helps them with the lambing process. Here's a young shepherd boy who has no idea. He has no education whatsoever. He's doing the job of a, of a protector. He's doing the job of a veterinarian. And now he's doing the job of somebody who's helping those ewes give birth. What happens when you and I are going through life and we really don't know how to help that person? Further themselves and their walk with God. That's when our shepherd comes on the scene. And he helps you and I with the birthing process of a new prospect to let them know that what they're going through is not unusual. What they're going through is yes, they can overcome. He helps them with the birthing process. And the third thing that he does is he learns to shear. What I found out in my time of studying is that a good shepherd can shear about 125 sheep a day. He's got to know what he's doing. He has to understand the movements of that sheep. He has to understand the thinking of that sheep. Now remember, a sheep is not very smart. So he's got to understand this sheep. And he's got to understand this sheep and what this sheep likes and what this sheep dislikes because they're all going to make different movements at all different times. What I'm trying to say is when he, we go through life, our shepherd shears us and causes us to become what he wants us to become. The shearing process is never fun. The shepherd has to make sure that the sheep is not nicked and he has to make sure that he's not cut and that he's just as healthy when he's sheared as he was when he went into the shearing pen, even though he's doing 125 a day. What, what good does it do whenever he shears that sheep? I'm glad you asked. 
Didn't it feel good to come in uh, and, and go out in the cold today with nice warm wool socks? It felt really good to have wool socks on this morning when it was so cold outside. What it does is it causes somebody else to see what we're going through. And that yes, you made it. Yeah, I can make it too. You made it through. I can make it through. You made it through the sharing process. I can make it through the sharing process. Who is my God? My God is my shepherd. Amen. He's my shepherd. I shall not want. There's nothing else that I need in life. I just need a shepherd. I need a shepherd to guide me. I need a shepherd to lead me. But I need a shepherd to watch out for me. But I need a shepherd to shear me every to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. Amen. Doesn't feel very good. Kind of hurts. Yes. But it's for my good. Yes. And it's for somebody else's benefit. Amen. It's for somebody else's good. So who is Jesus? He's my shepherd. Lord, he's my guide. And I don't need anything else in life but drive a shepherd. His name is Jesus. Amen. Give these men a great big hand. Come on. Well, and I can share a little piece of them. Amen. Amen. One of the things I enjoy about our men is they seek the Lord, try to bring you or share something with you that will help you along life's way. Amen. Amen. I, I tell you, I got a lot of good thoughts. You know, good pastors will catch a little nugget and run with it. You better when I got more messages I can preach for you next Sunday. Amen. Amen. But I won't. I'll be nice. But I want to thank you for coming out and being in service with us tonight. I, I know you could have done a whole lot of other things, but you came to worship God. Amen. Came to worship the Lord. Man, I want you to know I appreciate you getting in your closets and just asking the Lord to give you a little thought that will help you along last way. Amen. We're thankful for everything that's been done today, but most of all, I thank you because of who he is. Yes. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I know him. Amen. Amen. 